0: Off our rockers is supported by Subars. Subars are a unique baked good that combines the crunch of biscotti with the sweetness of a cookie. They make gift giving easy and carefree. Subars has over twenty varieties and ships nationwide. Subars, making this crazy world a little bit sweeter, bite by bite. Order your first box today at Subarsweets.com. Tell me
1: something. for people thinking about what do they want to do think about what you're passionate about think about what you're good at think about what interests you
2: i would say find your community first and then go from there
1: greetings off our rocker
0: fans this is sue in san francisco
3: hey there it's dana in san diego hi everybody it's jerry
4: in los angeles we have a special guest in the studio with us. We have my daughter, Molly, who is here for the weekend. Welcome, Molly Eisner.
5: Thank you so much, Off Our Rockers, for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. It's what did you first think when you heard about our podcast? I first thought, what ambitious family members I have to take this on at this point in your lives and to fill up your Sundays with time spent with the three of you is so special and so wonderful. And I just thought that it was so great that you guys were doing that. And then it made me a little emotional when my mom had said to me at some point, like, we'll be able to listen to these episodes for a long time to come. And it's kind of like this very special little thing to have. And I'll share it with my daughters, hopefully. And it's just very sweet that you're doing this. It makes me really proud and happy that you guys have hobbies. <laughs> it's true. You it's true. know how they say like oh when your kids like leave the nest like your empty nesters I think that there's also a reverse effect when kids become worried about their parents just alone all the time. And I'm like, Oh God, what would my parents possibly do without me? And look, here she is potting potting.
0: I, I think there's something to, to that because Maddox, now that he's been going out more, he says to me and Robin, you need to go out.
5: <laughs> it, it can be, it's reverse empty nesters. We have to come up with the diagnosis for that, but it, <laughs> it's the real thing of being worried about your parents, just being
4: alone. Oh, I I do think though, for. Well, I'm a few years ahead of Sue and Dana, but eventually your kids will go off. It, it is a definite transition when you have an empty nest and you have to kind of regroup a little bit. Totally. And I, I, our guests will talk about that, about when she started her company, uh, finding your next thing to do for so right. many women. I, and, and men too. when your kids are in school, your lives are all about school and your kids activities. And when that just kind of stops... If, even if, I mean, whether you're working or not, you have right. to, it's a shift. It is definitely a shift, but I don't think any, I would never want you, I don't think any parent wants your kids to worry about them. You know, I don't want you to ever worry about me and dad. I don't actually worry. I just <laughs>
5: am sometimes thinking, what do I do all day? But now <laughs> I know, you podcast with your sisters <laughs> who I love. And when They're we're not podcasting, we're texting each other. <laughs> and you have very active group chat just yeah. like I do with my girlfriend it's very similar yeah it's, very similar. But it's always fun to come home and you make it very lovely to be here
4: mom well Molly brought her beau home her his name is Will and Will spent the uh, day with your father Alan Eisner he sure did and that was a treat huh it,
5: it sure was
4: <laughs> it sure was I
5: Alan Eisner, my father, is a special, special form of man who, I said, you don't get to have both. You don't get to play golf and be someone who loses their phone. On the golf course. You you cannot, both, both can exist. So my sweet boyfriend goes to play golf with my sweet father, who loses his phone at some point along the way, and makes my sweet boyfriend rewalk the golf course to look for said phone, they cannot find it. My dad does not know his Apple ID, so we can't do find <laughs> my iPhone. It's also 100 degrees in the San Fernando Valley. And eventually I call the phone and a lovely woman answers and says, hi, I'm on the 18th hole or whatever hole. I'm like, they couldn't have figured this out on their own. <laughs> <laughs> and then okay, off they go. They found Anne who had the phone. And anyways, the point is, is that I have a patient boyfriend and a very hilarious father. Life pro tip if you lose your phone, try calling it. Try calling it. And maybe a, a nice Samaritan would answer it. And we got lucky. We did get lucky. Yeah. What other funny things have happened this weekend? I, I can't even keep up anymore. Molly, well, other- what's,
3: it like, what's it like being with Will in your childhood bedroom, which I don't think anything has changed in there? <laughs>
5: Um, well it's it's good because we're not in my childhood bedroom we have to sleep in sam's bedroom because i still have a twin bed (laughs) and to our listeners who don't know all of my life (laughs) updates i just moved in with him and we now have a king-size bed so we're making it work upstairs in sam's full but you know what we're we're happy to be here um And it's it's very nice to be here.
3: You thought you were going to put one of you in the trundle (laughs) under your
5: bed. That's what my my best friends, who I saw last night at the engagement party, Danny Pinkett and Chloe Horowitz, who both spent many nights upstairs in the Eisner house, were like, Is Will on a blow up mattress on the ground? (laughs) I was like, No, we're just in Sam's room. (laughs)
4: They're like, Oh, that makes sense. I was like, He's not on a blow up mattress. and And what is it like to have your first friend become engaged? Oh, it's
5: the most exciting and wonderful thing!
4: I'm thrilled for her. He's like another brother. He's like a third brother. But do you feel like you're moving up to the next level of life a little bit? A little
5: bit. But it also just kind of just feels like we're all kids still. Really? Yeah, because we're all friends from college. So last night, when some, when most of the adults left, it was like, oh, this is just a kids party. But we're all 27 <laughs> years old. <laughs> kids party. It
4: was. Fun. It was really fun. Yeah. Uh... It's been good. Um, and then uh, Grandpa Morton is coming over for brunch in a little bit. He sure is. Molly is the oldest grandchild, so he's very excited to see her. And I'm trying to think. And then we're having dinner tonight. At San Fernando Valley Institution called
5: Casa Vega.
4: Woo! <laughs> well, I'm glad you could join us on our podcast today. Yes. It's, it's like the mother-daughter theme today. Yeah, it's an honor.
3: We hope you come back again to our podcast. Yes,
0: you can join us anytime.
5: If you wanted, I could come on as a guest, and you could interview me. (laughs) I would love that. (laughs) You know, that's also an option. I'm just a Zoom call away. That's
4: That's true. That's true.
5: Yeah, I can. You know, tell us about life in New York. I'm just like what Lena Dunham said. I'm just might be the voice of my generation. So (laughs) I just might
0: just be. That's right. You can say you got your start on Off Our Rockers. Hey, I Hey
4: everybody, you are in for a special treat for this episode. We have a full house today, so there's a lot of voices that you're going to want to hear. You know, Sue's voice and Dana's voice and my voice. My special guest is my daughter Molly, a second generation Off Our Rockers. Do you want to say hello and why are you in town this weekend? Hi,
5: everyone. I'm thrilled to be here. I am in town back home this weekend because it was my best
4: friend's engagement party last
5: night.
4: So, congratulations and tov to Chloe. And then another mother and daughter team we have today. And this is kind of like an episode of, if you're a fan of that podcast, How I Built This. This is Ronnie and Hannah Rice, two women who are both entrepreneurs and we're very excited to hear about their business. I know the three of us Rockman sisters dream about having a business and we never know how to get it off the ground. So we have lots of questions for you.
1: Hi, um, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm Ronnie Rice. I'm here with my daughter.
2: Hi, I'm Hannah. And currently in my day job, I'm a developmental therapist for autistic kids. And then on the side, I run a business, which we'll be talking about today.
4: Tell us a little bit about how you got the idea for your business.
2: So it started a little before COVID. We were going to the nail salons to get our nails done. And one time at a nail salon, I had a pretty bad experience where I was sitting in the chair for over an hour before they served me. And I have panic disorder. So feeling trapped kind of exit that on. And so I started to get like a panic attack and feel trapped because both my mom and my sister were basically done before they even started on me. So I decided I'm not going to go to nail salons anymore. I wanted to paint my own nails. And oh. then when COVID happened, suddenly I had a lot of free time. So I got really into nail art and I so in Instagram, I gained like 2000 followers for doing my manicures. And it just kind of evolved from there where I started getting more and more into nail polish. I learned about indie brands, such as small nail polish brands. And I was looking at their products and I'm like, I could do this too. So I thought, why don't I create like the cool effects they're using in their polishes just by themselves as a topper so you can put it over any nail polish color. And that's kind of where I got the idea for my business.
4: How did you create this?
0: Do you have a science background or how does one do, create nail polish?
2: So I started on my own, not thinking of selling it. I just bought like the glitters they were using from a wholesaler. And then you can buy like different bases. So I found, I worked with different bases and kind of found this base I like. And through experimenting, I found if you mix a little top coat into the glitter, it helps the glitter lay flat. So I just experimented myself until I kind of found something I liked.
0: And what is your, what is your nail polish called?
2: It's called Tipsy Toppers Polish. Right now I have a website. I did all myself, tipsytopperspolish.com. And then we're just starting on Mother's Day. We did our first little farmer's market and I'm hoping to do a few different fairs and shows throughout the year. So
3: one of the funnest things about nail polish are the names of the polish. How do you come up with your names?
2: I usually make the polish first and then come up with the name. It's like the one I'm wearing right now. I know you all listening can't see, but it has um, black hollow sparkles, and then holographic moons and stars. So I call it celestial because it kind of reminds me of a celestial body. So I just kind of look at what the colors are. I have another one that's all neon dots. So that's called like neon nights. I just
1: I try to have fun with it. And I also want to interject and just say that she's been very conscientious of products she uses to make her product. So they're all vegan, cruelty-free and free of the top 10 worst chemicals that are found in most nail polishes.
2: Yeah. And I did that because I would get migraines sometimes from working with the nail polishes that have lots of chemicals. I tried to find a base product that didn't have all those chemicals because I find then it doesn't have a strong a smell and I can work with them for longer. And so
0: are you mixing this up? Like I'm picturing you like in your garage or your bathroom. I mean, like, how did you do this?
2: I took over my sister's bedroom because she moved out for college and I have a table and then I just mix all the polishes together, glitters, bases. It's kind of like a little science lab.
3: What about the labels and the packaging? How are you doing all
2: that? So I buy the bottles and then the labels I make myself. I have a Cricut, which is kind of a machine that cuts stuff out for you. So I print out the labels and use that to cut it. Um, And I designed it myself using Canva, which is kind of like a graphic design website. I made my own logo on there.
4: But you said you have a day job as a therapist, right? Yes. So when do you have time to do the nail polish?
2: On the weekends. (laughs) And then... Sometimes my clients cancel a lot, so I use cancellations. I'm like, okay, channel this to the business. So basically any spare moment I have, I'm working on the business. Where did you get the the
4: bottles? Um, From a wholesaler. Now, did you take out a a small business loan? How did you you afford to get your first? So I've been saving
2: up since I was little. I never really spent any of my money. I've just always been a saver. And I'm like, one day I'm going to do something with that. And I thought, well, this is a good time to invest in that. So I used all my own money. I started pretty small. I think I it was about 2000 to get started because I started small. And then I grew from there. And like I said, I designed my own website, which saved me a lot of money. I did everything myself.
4: So you said you were at a farmer's market. Yes. And and then we're also, you, everything else is just through Instagram or online?
2: Online. I have a website. Instagram, you can look at. I post about every other day, different people wearing the polishes and different ideas to use them. But I sell online through my website, tipsytopperspolish.com. My Instagram is tipsytopperspolish. And then my nail art Instagram, which I also post ideas to use it on is Nails. But you have
3: so many followers. What What is your wisdom to get all of those followers?
2: It, I did not naturally over the COVID year. A lot of people got into nails. And I kind of jumped into like I said I started doing nail art right before COVID so I think I was slightly ahead of that curve which helped and just interacting with people and people who had nail art accounts would follow me I'd always follow them back I host collabs which is something I think a lot of artist communities do on Instagram where we all like pick a theme and we all work together to make each everybody does their own manicure based off of that theme so it's kind of like it helps build the group So I did that. I hosted some of them. And yeah, just natural growth over time.
4: Do you have any business classes in college? Like,
2: how did you know how to do everything? Uh, No business classes. I just I just kind of Googled and decided I'm going to go for it. And I was always kind of the creative entrepreneurial type When I was 10, I made friendship bracelets that we sold at the local animal shelter to raise money for the animal shelter. And that's when I created my first website. I kind of taught myself how to do that then. So when
0: you were 10, you created a website?
2: Yes. So I think from prior experience, I kind of had a lot of training just based off my interest that when it was time to actually make a real business, I just kind of had learned all these things already. What do
4: you think if you knew back when you started Hannah, what would you, would you do anything different? What have you learned? Like what what challenges have you had to deal with?
2: I think for me, the biggest challenge has been how many new products should I come out with to retain customers they have versus is get new customers. So I expanded pretty quickly. I have a ton of different options now for nail polish toppers, but with each new bottle I have that takes up space for inventory and how much should I make of each of ready to sell. So kind of figuring all that out and trying to find a balance I'm still working on, I think that's been the biggest challenge. What
3: are your top sellers on your website right now?
2: Um, I have a reflective glitter polish topper, which has been really popular. And reflective glitters are kind of new in nail art over normal nails. It looks just like a sparkly glitter. But if you film it on your phone using a flash, the light reflects it and your phone films it. So it looks like your nails are like sparkling and kind of a 3D sparkle effect just on your phone. I have some hearts, which is popular. And then I did some Disney themed ones, which are also pretty popular.
4: How much do you sell them for? I
2: have a core collection, which means it's going to be in the shop for the foreseeable future is $12. And then I do seasonal ones. For example, this month I did a Mother's Day one. That's 13 and it's only available for like the month of May. And then do you envision this getting so big that you have to move it out of your house? I don't really think so. I'm trying to keep, I'm not looking to grow that big because I'm starting graduate school in the fall and I'm going to have to do an internship for that as well. So for right now, I'm kind of wanting to keep it more as a small side hobby hopefully makes a little bit of money off of it. But I more do it because it's just fun and is a way for me to get creative.
1: I didn't realize how big the nail art community online is. And again, like she said, through COVID, she made friends and, and had a hobby and people who shared her interests. So it's really kind of cool to see.
3: Do you see nail art outside of the U.S. or is it mainly a U.S. thing?
2: There's a big outside the U.S. community, different groups, depending on the languages you speak. But I made friends. I have two friends who live in India, friends who live in the U.K., Canada, the Netherlands. It's been all over.
4: So when you when you think about your business, so you have to figure out how much it costs you to buy the materials and then yeah. shipping. Yes. And have you started to make a profit or not yet?
2: I'm almost there if I didn't buy more stuff. So if I just had my initial investment, I made back, but I've been buying more supplies to um, come out with new toppers. I also launched cuticle oils, which is good for nail care. And I just made hand lotions. So I'm trying to kind of expand a little bit, which is why I haven't made money yet, but I'm almost there. How'd you make the hand lotion? I used a food processor and I did research onto what's the best moisturizers are. I wanted to have something at the farmer's market for people who don't necessarily wear polishes so I could kind of Uh, sell to a larger
1: collection of people. And her hand lotion was very popular because it's such a good lotion.
2: Yeah, I also sent it to order. So I made the batch unscented and bottled it unscented. And then I have a list of scents. So when you go onto my website, you can pick the scents you want. And I mixed your scents to order, which is kind of cool and unique because I think most places just have scents that you choose from. And what's the base for the the hand lotion? It's a mix of shea butter is the base. And then I use sweet almond oil and jojoba oil, which is really good for nails and cuticles. It will help nail growth and help prevent breaking. And a little bit of vitamin E as well.
0: Okay, I'm going on to buy some right after this. (laughs) That sounds amazing.
2: Yeah, and it's really thick. So it's like very nice and moisturizing. It helps. I use it for if you have like a paper cut, and you're going to take off nail polish using acetone, or you need to hand sanitize, it you know, causes stinging. My lotion helps stop that.
0: What are you going to graduate school for?
2: Business? No, to be a social worker. I started okay. USC in the fall. Good for you. Wow.
4: Amazing. You must be so proud of yourself. I mean, it's a big thing to do.
2: Yeah, I think it's fun. I'm proud that I made it this far. And still, everything everything in the house, right? You're not you don't yes. have a- no. Everything's in
1: my sister's old room. <laughs> it's a good use of that space. <laughs> I'll also say she makes a great lip balm that I use every night before I go to bed, and I put it on my lips and my cuticles. It's fantastic. Yeah,
2: I designed it to be used for both. So it's a vegan wax, shea butter, vitamin E, and jojoba oil. Right now, have I, I have four different scents for that. And I use all vegan, organic, food grade scents for both the lip balm and the lotions and keto oils. So does your sister get a discount because you use her room? <laughs> <laughs> she she takes whatever she wants for free, which is probably not the smartest business idea, but it's okay. <laughs> and like, do you have are there any laws? Are yeah, any laws? I got. I had to get a business license to sell online. You know, so I collect sales tax and all that kind of stuff. But because it's a beauty product and it's not edible, I don't need any um, health code standards.
4: And where'd you get the business
1: license? Online. I mean, she applied for it the legal way. Yeah, we did it all. She published in the business newspaper. We did everything you need to do to start a business.
2: It was definitely confusing a few times. I'm like, mom, I don't understand (laughs) this language help, but we figured it out together.
4: Well, you can tell by our faces, we are. very.
2: (laughs) Our our jaws have dropped like five
4: times, listeners. No, like we've had so many conversations about like, I know Sue makes this delicious granola and we've talked about how we can sell the granola, but we never do anything about it. So it's, I think it's so amazing that you, that you did it, you know, rather than just talk about it. And I think taking that leap must've been scary, but also kind of fun too.
2: Yeah, for sure. It's also, I suggest anybody looking to start a business, start small. Like I said, I didn't use a ton of money to invest. I started really small. Just, I launched, I made announcements on my Instagram pages and that was it. And I got a few sales from that and then slowly build up because you don't want to be overwhelmed with hundreds of orders on your first day. Mm
3: -hmm. Hannah, what I think is so impressive and what you did right is you started with the nail polish and then you extended that into, you're talking about the cuticle oils and the lotions and the lip balms that's, I mean, that sounds perfect. Are you still considering
2: more extensions of other products you want to do? I think right now, because I just launched the lotions, they're not even on my website yet. They're launching today on my website. I have to finish putting them in after this. I'm going to kind of stay with that. Eventually I was maybe considering doing, we learned at the vegan street festival last week that practice. Press-ons is really popular, so I might extend to offering a press-on nail options where you can pick which topper you want on press-ons, but that's kind of down the road. For right now, I'm kind of set on what I have.
3: You're busy enough. Yes.
2: Yeah.
4: I think it's going to take off. I think you're yes. going to be a star.
3: Well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> we'll look we'll for you when you're on Shark Tank. We'll know you Yes.
0: Later. That's what I was just thinking.
1: Shark Tank. Yes. <laughs> we talk about that all the time. We joke. Yes. Yes.
5: So
0: exactly. Ronnie, did you start your business first or was Hannah your inspiration
1: to start your business? Well, I started after Hannah and, and my children have always been an inspiration to me, but my story's a little bit different and I'll just go. So I teach Mahjong now and, and I'm known as the marvelous Mrs. Maj, which is my name and my website and all that. Um, I grew up outside of Detroit. And my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, their friend, they all played Maj. And we had a Mahjong game at my house at least once a week, if not twice a week. And I have such memories. I mean, it's like really ingrained in me the sense memories of falling asleep as a kid to the sound of the clacking tiles and the ladies, you know, chattering about. So it just kind of warmed my heart, you know, to hear that sound. But to me, it was an old lady game. And I had no interest in it, because it was my mom and my grandma's game until my kids were in elementary school. And then a group of elementary school moms all said, we want to learn how to play Maj. So we did, we had another mom who knew how to play who taught us and we had regular Maj games for a while, but then our kids all went to different schools and our lives got busy and I was doing other things. And so it kind of fell by the wayside. And then when my daughter was in high school, the high school, they used to have a party book event once a year of a Mahjong event. And I went to, and I was like, oh, I love this game. And I miss playing this game. And my good friend who was there also was like, we need to play more than just once a year. So we decided in 2019 to start a group called Mahjong for Beginners and More, where we also spread the love of playing this great game of Mahjong. And we just wanted, honestly, selfishly, we just wanted to play more Mahjong. So we started with 16 people on our list. And word of mouth, it grew and grew and grew to right before COVID hit, we had over 170 something women and men on our our list. And we would host these huge events at my house where I would have 12 tables of Mahjong players playing mahjong And Jerry, you've been to them. They're fabulous. They were the
4: best. They were so fun.
1: And then COVID hit and through COVID, I also, I was um, managing the student store at the kids high school for seven years. And that really was such a great way. I met other adults and I was still kind of working. And, and so that all ended because my, my youngest graduated and COVID hit and I was here and I didn't know what I was going to do next. Like what is next in my life? And my, hardcore career life had ended years ago. I was in the film business for years. I was a paralegal for years. I then I actually was a yoga teacher for over 12 years. And I specialized in mommy and baby and prenatal yoga. But then I thought I'm kind of like a cat. What is my next life going to be? And when COVID was kind of coming out of it, we were kind of all starting to come out of our shell. Several months ago, friends of mine asked me if I would teach their friends how to play mahjong, and I was like, "Okay." And I loved it. I just absolutely loved. It. I realized I missed teaching, and I love this game of mahjong because I was bemoaning what is going, what am I going to do next? And I was searching and asking people and taught, like, what am I going to do? And then this friend of mine was like, "You have to just teach mahjong, and you need a website, and you need to do this." So I was like, "Okay." This is what I'm going to do. But I also know... In our group, there's a lot of more experienced Maj players and a lot of women who also love to teach Maj. So I wanted to really take this seriously. If I was going to put myself out there and say I'm a Maj teacher, I didn't want people to say, what makes you qualified? And why are you doing this? So I really put in the effort in studying the National Mahjong League rules and really doing my homework. And I found there's this group, even though there's no... National organization to become a Maj teacher, these women who are true Maj mavens and leaders in the business started a group, AMJIA, and it's the American Mahjong Instructors Association. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go through their program and get myself certified through their certification because. I want to be taken seriously. I don't want to just say, Oh, anyone can teach Maj. So I did it. And I went through their whole program. And I studied and I learned and I became their certified uh, Mahjong teacher. And it's been incredible. And so that's who I am. I'm now the marvelous Mrs. Maj, and I love teaching, and it's so fun, I feel like I'm just spreading the joy of Maj, and through Mahjong, I have met so many incredible people, and it's been just a gift, really.
4: Well, I can say, as one of Ronnie's students, she is an amazing teacher. <laughs> she has the patience of a saint, and it's such a fun, it's such a fun game, and it's such a fun way to socialize. Will you explain the connection between mahjong and the jewish community it seems to be a lot of temples
1: when it originally came over in 1920s it was a group of it happened to be a man who brought it the game over from china and it was a group of jewish women in the catskills who kind of created the whole american version and they they created the national mahjong league that was back in i I believe it was 1927 that they make, created all these rules. And, you know, us Americans, we make things very complicated. So it's, you know, with the American version, it's so funny, because I was just in Vietnam, and I wanted to, I was interested in learning some of the Asian versions of Mahjong. And one of the women who was in the group, she's an avid uh, Mahjong player, she plays what they call the Philippine style of Mahjong. So she said to me, show me American Mahjong. So I pulled out my National Mahjong League card, because every year we get a new card with new hands that you have to play for that year. I pulled it out. And after about two minutes, am I trying to explain to her? She's like, Oh, my God, never mind. I can't you Americans make everything so complicated. But I think the Jewish connection started from back in the origins where it was mostly spread through Jewish communities. Mm -hmm. So it became kind of known. But it's certainly now is not just a Jewish game. And it's really increasing in popularity again now. And, you know, with shows like the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel that showed Mahjong on it, but also Crazy Rich Asians had Mahjong in it. So people are a lot more aware of it now. And also, I want to mention that it has a very significant neurological component to it, because it Really is good for your brain. It's one of those things that, because it is, you know, I like to say the game is 50% skill, 70% luck, but that 50% skill, it's like really working your brain. And we have a friend, Jerry, you and I, whose mother, 97 years old, she has dementia, but you sit her at a table with mahjong tiles and it sparks something in her. So it's really an incredible tool. And, and I encourage people. To to use it, you know, to it helps in so many ways. So as someone who's
0: never played Mahjong, I will admit that publicly. And I'm sure there might be other people who are listening who haven't. What's the basic gist of the game? Like, what are you trying to do? And how does it work?
1: So it's a game using tiles with Chinese characters, basically, because it comes from China. So you have to learn The tiles have suits like in a game of cards. And as I mentioned, the National Mahjong League puts out a card, which is really a physical card that has all the hands. Think of like a gin rummy game. It has the hands on it, but they're very specific to the Mahjong tiles. And they say, okay, for this year... in order for you to win a game homage, you have to try to get one of the hands on the card. So the game is played where someone picks a tile and discards what they don't want. And you play around until you've used all 152 tiles in the game. And hopefully someone in that game will actually be the first person to get one of the hands on the card to get what they call homage.
4: It's so fun. And like what you were saying, the click I love the sound of the clicking of the tiles. It, yeah. It's so fun. But when you were saying you were certified, was that a test you took or how
1: did that happen? Did. Oh, my gosh. I have new respect for my kids because I have not taken a test in so many years. And I really studied and they said the test takes about three to four hours. And it really did. And that expanded my brain. But they wanted to make sure that I knew the rules and that And I want to make sure that I'm teaching the correct, proper way. And then when you go off to your, you know, we have house rules and, you know, we play different ways, you know, fine to do that. But I like to teach people the proper way to play Mahjong. But the test was it multiple choice or like, yes, it was a multiple choice, it was very hard. I'm just curious when you're talking about when you were in Vietnam, how is it different? The American Mahjong is the um, only games that have this card from a national Mahjong league. There's 38 recognized Mahjong games in the world, which is also interesting. And I'll tell you an interesting fact our Air Force, because you know, people in the Air Force, uh, the men of the Air Force, when they would travel, and it was most Men, when they would be in Korea or in the Philippines or in China, where Manila, they all learned different versions of the game. And they would come back to their Air Force bases and they'd be like, No, we play this way. No, we. So they even created their own. There's actually an Air Force Mahjong game that they created to play on their own. And there are, from my understanding, and there may be more, but there were 38 recognized versions of how to play Mahjong. Uh, like here, people. People play Rishi, they play Wright Patterson, they play Air Force. So there's different versions of the game. I play American Mahjong, which is the National Mahjong League rules, and we play with jokers, for example, the Asian games. And I actually got a few sets of Mahjong sets when I was in in uh, Vietnam. They don't have jokers, so that's a big main difference. Plus, like I said, we have our hands, like the games we're playing change every year. And in the Asian forms, they don't do that.
0: So what do do they, how do they, what's their winning hand then?
1: It's more like gin rummy where they just play. They just have their hands that are standard throughout time.
4: How did you turn this into a business? So for people listening, so you, you, you pass the test, you have your expertise, but what was like the jumping off point to make it a business?
1: So it was this one friend of mine really who who asked me to teach her and some of her friends how to play maj so I teaching these people really inspired me and one of the women who I taught was like, "Oh my god, like I have to I want everyone in the world to learn how to play maj from me so this other woman like she started sending me friends, and I thought I really should do this as a business so Hannah created my website, com, And I just thought, okay, this is really the next thing for me to do. It just kind of organically happened naturally, but it takes effort. And now you go back to how do you start a business? There's a huge learning curve. And for me, it was... N- And I'm still kind of, Hannah and I were having this conversation this morning. I need to post more on social media. I need to, it's a lot of work to run a business. And how do you get your name out there? And how do I get people to come to my classes? And pricing, like I vastly underpriced myself to start with. And, you know, people kept telling me that you need to charge more. So that also is a big learning curve and how to do that. So that's been a little bit of a challenge. But now that I'm kind of over that initial hump, I it's it. And also I was traveling now that I'm back, I have to really get on my marketing and my, you know, getting my name out there. It's it's hard. I want to come to visit
0: you guys when I'm in L.A. and I want to learn how to play Mahjong and I want to get a manicure. That's what
1: everyone says. I have fancy nails while I click the tiles. Exactly. Well, I would love to teach you, Mahjong. Okay really fun and again i've met so many lovely people through it and what's so satisfying to me is when i teach people and they go off and now they're playing with their friends and you know i got a a text message that there was a group this last tuesday night that all people who i taught they were all playing and they were like look you know how fun marvelous mrs marsh this is and that just really makes me happy so it's really fun. And again, it's another community of people that are just lovely, warm, amazing people that have been brought into my life. And I have to say our next event, we're doing also a big fundraiser for mm-hmm. uh, the Planned Parenthood Action Fund because of the times we're living in right now. Um, so we also try to have a you know proactive component to where it's not just ladies sitting around playing games all day
3: you know so your name is your company name is wonderful marvelous mrs maj and i was just thinking that would be such a great co-branding effort hannah if you had a tipsy topper that was named marvelous mrs maj <laughs> yeah,
4: dana spent a career in marketing so she <laughs> she knows of what she speaks well, <laughs> a long time
1: <laughs> well, I mean, we need help. Like, you know, that's, it's a hard thing to do to market yourself. And also for me, because in at my age or whatever, I, I don't want to do this like full, full time, but how do you balance your time? And how do you, you know, now like weekends are for Mahjong because that's when most people are available. So it's a shift in family dynamics too, when I'm not as available on weekends as I used to be. So it's been a very interesting learning curve and change for everybody, but but a good change.
4: And like um, Hannah said, she had $2,000 for startup. Did you need startup money, Ronnie? Or was there any
1: initial cost for you? Actually, there is initial cost because when I Teach, You know, now, uh, well, first of all, I Xerox, you know, from the simplest, all my handouts that I have to Xerox. And then I started to realize that some of these people might want a Mahjong set. So I invested in buying a lot of just the very basic mahjong sets that I sell.
4: And what advice would you give to people who are thinking about, because it seems like your job is more of a service, I guess, compared to a product. What advice would you give to people like women our age who are, their kids are grown, they want to try something new. What advice would you give to someone thinking about starting something new, but they're nervous to start?
1: You know, that's a really interesting question because I was sitting in that seat where I was like, what am I going to do next? And I think for me, everything I, it just came out of something that I was passionate about, something that I love and something that came up kind of organically, but then you have to make it work. So you have to actually be willing to put in the time and the effort, and and it it wasn't really easy. Like I said, I took a test that took me three and a half hours, that made my head explode. But with that little bit of effort, I think the rewards come back at you. So do you know? For people thinking about what do they want to do, think about what you're passionate about. Think about what you're good at. Think about what interests you, because I think it also if if you're not interested in what you're doing. You can tell when someone doesn't like what they're doing. It it doesn't inspire other people either. So I, I want to inspire people and I'm inspired. So I think that helps. Yeah,
2: I would say find your community first and then go from
1: there. Hey,
0: everyone. Thanks for joining us today on this last episode of season two of Off Our Rockers. We've got an amazing lineup of guests for you that'll be coming to join us in the fall. And we're sure we'll have a lot of stories to share. See you then.
4: Oh,
5: that was fun. You didn't say a word. I'm just trying to keep up with everyone. This is like keeping up with the Kardashians, but it's keeping up with the Rockers. Tell me something I haven't heard before. Don't say nothing.
0: Pretend you got it all, got it all. Got it figured out now, but you're still in the same time.